Dead Rock Thrills and Chills Month. <laughs> Welcome back to the Dead and Rock Podcast. This is Sean. And this is Chris. Hey, we are back at it again. A new week. What have you been up to? Been up to quite a bit here, but uh, recently, uh, we were talking about this last week. Uh, my daughter is a big Trolls fan. Yeah. Trolls World Tour, Trolls, uh, Rock Trolls. And uh, you said, you know, this is a big win. And you've got to talk about this in the show. And it's kind of how, you know, we start all our shows. <laughs> yeah. And she loves Queen Barb. And if you know anything about the movie, she is kind of the rock queen. Right. And she's all about, like, Barracuda and Crazy Train, uh, Rock You Like a Hurricane. So we're yes. listening to all these songs in the car, but they're the soundtrack version. Right. Sung by uh, Rachel Bloom. Which, I mean, honestly, she does a good job at it. Yeah. But there's only so much I can listen to of someone else doing a cover when I know the originals. Oh, yeah. I know how you are with covers, too, just in general. You're not a big yeah, fan. Yeah, I'm not even a fan of them covering their own, their own songs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if they change it just a little bit. Yeah. But while my daughter was in her swim class one day, I was like, you know, I'm going to put together a playlist. And I called it Queen Barb and Family. So I was like, you know, I'm a, how, how am I going to trick her into this? So I, I called it that. And then I put the Scorpions versions of Rocky Like a Hurricane. Yes. Or put Ozzy's version of Crazy Train in this one. Oh, yeah. Uh, I went as far as putting Disturbed 10,000 Fists, <laughs> Hotel California, Guns N' Roses, uh, Imagine Dragons. And what I wound up doing, it was saying it was her family. Like, Ozzy in the movie is her dad. Right. So I'm like, oh, that's Queen Barb's dad. Or if, uh, you know, GNR comes on. I'm like, oh, that's Queen Barb's brother. Right. Or uh, Hailstorm comes on. I'm like, oh, that's, that's her sister. You didn't see her in the movie because she was in the crowd. <laughs> she has took it, hook, line, and sinker. She's in the back, horns up, rocking out to Ozzy. Oh, my it gosh. awesome. You uh, snuck some classic rock into your, your daughter's uh, musical taste, and I love it. And it just happened because of an animated movie she loves. Dang it. I mean, uh, Verona liked it okay. And we, well, here's the thing. Maybe I, maybe my failure was that I didn't purchase it. I just rented it when it first came out that first weekend. And then, you know, we watched it a couple times and now it's gone. And I haven't like purchased it to keep since. So we really haven't revisited the movie since then. Oh, she was all about it. Well, we rented it like everyone else did. And then she was like, okay, as soon as we had an option, we had to buy it. And mm-hmm. it came with a sing-along, too. Oh, cool. So she's, like, singing the songs. And she's got this, like, little black guitar. And there's a part in uh, one of the songs that said something about a ripping guitar solo. She's back. It's so funny. And I can't. I wish there was a point where I was not driving so I can kind of take a picture or a photo or video or something of her actually doing right. it. And it's like every time it's just me and her, she's like, the first thing she asks in the morning, Daddy, Queen Barbie family, Queen Barbie family. I'm like, Queen Barbie family it is. That's hilarious. <laughs> if this was back a few years ago, you could make your own like mixed CD, Queen Barbie family, and just put all those <laughs> classics on there. <laughs> well, I was actually even thinking, it's like, how far do I actually uh, push this? Yeah. Do I like edit it and I take a song out, put another song in? You know, keep kind of keep it a flowing playlist. Yeah. Here's another song called War Pigs by her dad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. So uh, I was like Here's Iron Man. I thought it was funny. I was like, I'm putting this together. And there's another podcast I listen to called The Infectious Groove. Yeah. And they are, dude, if you haven't listened to them, uh, check them out or check out their Instagram. You see their basement or their, or their studio. 
and it is wall to wall vinyl records. Oh yeah, it is, and it's an awesome set. I, I tweeted at him. Yeah, said, I've seen their setup, and it's uh, it's pretty killer. Yeah, I tweeted at him and said, "How young is four years old? Too young for GNR?" <laughs> <laughs> no way. That I tweeted on the actual like uh, picture of the the screenshots of the playlist. He's like, "Dude, that's an awesome playlist for anybody, let alone a four year old." <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that that's that's been. Basically, the only thing new for me, like you were saying, uh, you felt like that was definitely a must share for, you know, our listeners here, seeing that I, I won a battle with one of my kids and it's a it's a music battle. Yeah. So if you guys are anything like us and probably a lot of dads out there, your musical tastes probably trend towards 70s, 80s, 90s metal and rock. <laughs> Um, it's my sneaky way to get your kid to listen to some of that. Yeah. I mean, my, my wife, she was like, well, this wasn't a race. Said, yeah, but she's not going to, you know, grow up under the country rock. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, that's pretty much what I had going on this week. Uh, what's up with you? Anything uh, anything exciting? Anything boring? Any crazy old man talk? Well, speaking of stuff with your daughter, I had my own kind of adventures this week. My daughter, she has become increasingly addicted to YouTube, pretty much. And, uh, I mean, it's partially my fault because... I honestly consume most of my content through YouTube these days. I have, I'm subscribed to like 50 channels and, you know, there's new content all the time. And that's kind of my first go-to when I actually get to sit down and watch anything. It's to catch up on, you know, the channels that I have subscribed to on, uh, on YouTube. So, you know, she started to do the same thing. She's always asking for my phone or she's going on the tablet. And she had YouTube kids even from an earlier age, you know. Um, you know, the, the way things are trending these days kids are playing video games more and just like adults they're starting to watch other you know youtube families or youtube kids out there put out like content of them playing video games yeah. uh roblox especially so there's a ton of family channels out there that are you know they're pretty much just game streaming which is and kids playing roblox and roblox is in and of itself its own kind of weird platform where it's like these games are i don't think they're authorized by actual like big companies like they have you know a big spongebob game but i don't think that comes from cbs viacom or nickelodeon yeah no i think it's all indie yeah or they'll have you know like the minions and i don't think that's like sponsored by universal pictures i think these people just like create these 3d objects and their own you know 3d software and just like plop them in this roblox game which is in and of itself is kind of crazy to me i'm surprised apparently it's not on any of these corporations radar that they have content out there <laughs> that's consumable and people are paying money for and stuff yeah because you could do microtransactions out the wazoo and you know you've got superman beating up on spongebob and all kinds of weird stuff we had to shut down zach in one of the games he was running around saying we heard him twice yeah but to his friend, he's like, you know what? I got to go murder this dude. Yeah. I'm like, whoa, I don't, we, I don't like that. Yeah. It's the same thing. happened. So my, my daughter, she used to be into these channels where first it was just like, you know, cartoons kind of stuff. And then it was like, you know, these channels of maybe these 12, 13 year old girls kind of playing dolls and like giving them voices and stuff, just cutesy stuff, you know, nothing yeah. that's really harmful. And I was like, okay, no worries. And then she starts moving on to these channels with families on them, and these families become increasingly, like, obnoxious and loud, and they start streaming Roblox games. And uh, here comes Piggy. Piggy's coming to get you with the big bat, and he's going to smash your head in, and, you know, you're going to get blood and gore all over the screens. Now, even though it's, like, the graphics are, like, very rudimentary. <laughs> yeah, it's, like, worse than Nintendo 64. Like, they're bad. So... It's not, like, shocking video content, really, but it, it skates by. It's still ultra-violent. So I don't know. Yeah, you mentioned kind of sound like an old man or whatever, but and I'm sure I do, but it just came up recently where I just got 
tired of it. And so I, my wife and I talked about it and we were like, we got to get her off some of these YouTube channels. But it's like, I don't feel the need to get off of YouTube um, altogether because there are some channels that are perfectly fine that she enjoys. And she enjoys it even more than just, you know, turning on the Disney Plus or, or Nickelodeon apps, you know? I mean, she likes this stuff. Yeah, we're walking the same line with Zach. Yeah, I wanted to get on YouTube and go to each of these channels that I didn't feel were appropriate anymore and block it. But it turns out you can't really block these channels at all. They just keep going. Like, she can still search for them and they come up in results. I don't know or what it's it also blocks. suggested. So, for instance, if she's watching something else and a suggested video pops up and it's that one. Yeah, exactly. So there's, there's very little control you have. And now we never messed with YouTube, YouTube kids. Yeah. We've always kind of given more of the free reign because I figured some, I found out some of the things that he watched that I felt was appropriate. YouTube kids blocked. Right. And Apple to uh, Disney plus does the same thing. They've got a kid's version, but for some reason, some of the content is blocked as well, which I don't feel it needs to be blocked. So I am guilty of kind of letting them just kind of go. Yeah. I mean, in hindsight, that's not exactly very smart to do as well. Cause they can run into things and you're like, uh, well, uh, oh. Yeah, I mean, it's it's the World Wide Web, man. It's like anything. I mean, of course, YouTube is owned by Google, so it's not like there's going to be hardcore sex or crazy stuff that's going to be on yeah. there. It is somewhat filtered. But it's all, as far as what's appropriate for children, it's all user-generated. There's literally just one radial on there. It's It says, is this content appropriate for kids? Like, check yes or no. And that's it. Yeah. Yeah, we just actually found that out when we were put out, you know, our, our stuff here on our channel. Yeah. It's like, you know, you have a, you can click yes or no. And if you click yes, it's appropriate for kids and it's not appropriate for kids. It's an all a, you know. Yeah. And who's to say like, for what kid? I mean, 12 yeah. year olds are kids and three year olds are kids. <laughs> you yeah, know what I mean? Exactly. And, and they're not going to have the same stuff that's appropriate for both of them. So the moral compass isn't the same. Exactly. So I just, I just found that really frustrating this last week as I was trying to like carefully filter out stuff that I didn't deem appropriate for my six-year-old on YouTube. But there's just really no option right now. It's either all or nothing as far as content goes. So I don't know. That was just a gripe I felt like bringing up, a parenting gripe <laughs> this week. Have you tried about uh, – I mean, we went ahead and we did the Disney Circle. Mm-hmm. You can limit what apps you're in and like limit time. So if, say, for instance, she's only going to be home for so long, you can say she can only be on it for like an hour or so, and then it'll kill it. We've been having to do that manually. Be like, you know, hey, Verona, it's time to get off. But I think that would be a good idea because sometimes, like in the early morning, like this weekend, for instance, my wife and I actually got to sleep in till 8 o'clock. Wow, we, you know, sleeping in till <laughs> 8.30. What a miracle. But, of course, Verona, she woke up at, like, you know, 6.37. Yeah. Any other day, you know, 6.30 on a weekday, it's like I have to carry her down the stairs. But 6.30 on a Saturday, she's bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. Like, what the heck, girl? But anyway, so she sneaks up, and before I even wake up, she's on the tablet and just doing whatever. So, yeah, I think that might be uh, something I need to look into is setting certain hours. Yeah, where it turns on at a certain hour and shuts off at another. Yeah, that may be something you and I could uh, review in a future episode or something. But speaking of content inappropriate for children, we're on week two of our Thrills and Chills month. All October long, you and I are watching some scary movies. Oh, yeah, scary movies. And the more scary movies I watch, the bigger uh, a puss I, I find out I am when it comes to scary <laughs> movies. <laughs> Um, I used to love these. I guess the older I get, the less, uh, you know, tolerable I am to these anymore. The jump scares and all that. If it's not a movie I know really well, watching one of these movies with my headphones on through the Bluetooth of my Apple TV, halfway on, looking at my phone, figuring something was coming and I didn't feel like crap in my pants. 
Dude, that's hilarious. That's exactly how I watch these things. <laughs> I watched it, except it was Roku's, but I had my, you know, I had it, the audio streaming to my phone through the Roku app, listening to it uh, through my headphones as to, I guess, really not to disturb anybody in the house with shrieking and, and jump scares, right? But yeah, kind of half looking at it and half playing a game on my phone. <laughs> I was like, I can't, I, I, I want to pay attention and like I, I don't want to pay attention at the same time. <laughs> but the movies we're talking about here, the one that I watched the way we were just describing, headphones half off, looking at my phone, trying to distract myself the most, uh, was Paranormal Activity 3. Uh, you want to give a quick rundown of what that movie's about? It's a super quick rundown, and you'll probably have a little bit more insight because you've seen one and two of the series, right? Yes. Okay. The reason I think I narrowed in on the third installment is because of the time era that it takes in. It takes place in 1988 with this uh, character using VHS tapes. It's a found footage movie like the rest of the series, but the main character uses VHS tapes. And I'm kind of fond of the 80s, so I thought it might be a, a cool place to jump in. Apparently, I didn't know this was kind of serendipity, but it's chronologically, it's the first in the series. It's almost like a prequel, like a backstory. But uh, yeah, you've seen one and two. I've never seen any of the Paranormal Activity movies. But in 1988, young sisters Katie and Christy befriend an invisible entity who resides in their home. Uh, and that's, you know, just kind of the short version of it, to say the least. But uh, <laughs> hilarity ensues. Oh, dude. Now, see, I think really one of the main cores of this movie and why it messed with me as much. I like the idea of having cameras up for security purposes. Yeah. But I don't want to have cameras up because I don't know or want to know what's happening in my house when it's dark and I'm sleeping. <laughs> right. Like, I don't want to see things moving. I don't want to see Zach get up, walk to the kitchen, talk to somebody, go back to bed. I don't want to know any of this. Yes. I Ignorance is bliss in this case. <laughs> yeah. Your kid wake up and just stand in your doorway for two hours straight and then go back to bed. I feel like he does that already. <laughs> he, just, he walks to the door and just kind of stands there for a second. There's nothing more terrifying than a silhouette of a child oh, in yeah. your doorframe. I, I can't sleep on my back to the door. Yeah, it's bad. I have to be on the door side and I'm on my side or on my head is pointing the direction of the door for that reason. I just... <laughs> I don't know. It's one of my phobias. It's crazy. Yeah. So in this movie here, uh, we catch up with this family. These two girls. We talk about these two girls, uh, but they're older. Yeah. And they're actually one of them's moving into another house. They're getting ready to have a child. They're painting, you know, the the nursery. And the other sister brings over like all these these boxes, and they're putting them in her basement because I think she's getting ready to move away or something. So she needs a little bit of storage. Or somewhere to put some of her stuff while she's gone. And then they find these old VHS tapes like you were alluding to. Yeah, from their grandma. Yeah, so they decide to start looking at them. And that's kind of where we get into it. That's when we go back to 88 and we find out, you know, about their mom and their mom's boyfriend. Who right. was the one that would, you know, shoot weddings as a job. Yeah. And then he started, you know, putting cameras around places because things weird things started to happen as far as the contrivances of having a found footage movie from 1988 having this guy being a wedding videographer was i guess a fairly uh fairly clever way of getting around that but um i actually liked a lot of the characters in this movie i mean it, as far as a movie in itself it was pretty engaging like uh, i was into it from the get-go even just you know in 2005 those characters that seemed like the acting was natural and i was a little jarred because like i said i hadn't seen the original movie or number two so i'm kind of stepping into number three here apparently these characters are from the first two films and uh it they just kind of goes away from them the rest of the movie i, th I thought maybe it would, it would be a bookend and you would see them maybe like after the 1988 stuff 
but you really don't revisit those characters. I guess it's in the other movies. Yeah, I mean, it took me for a second as well because it's been a long time since I've been in this franchise. Yeah. But, I mean, yeah, it was just all of a sudden, they're gone. No, we just reversed it back to they were like itty bitty back when they were like seven and eight ish. <laughs> we get into it. You know, they start meeting them. The family is kind of doing their own thing. You're in this house having a good old time and weird things start happening. I mean, the first thing, one of the first things we see is there was an earthquake. Right. And the house is shaking and everything's going on. They're just trying to figure out what's happening. But while that's happening, Dennis, I think the, the guy's name was Dennis, starts yeah. thinking he's seeing things. Or he's hearing things. And, you know, it, it kind of goes from there. But then their daughter, Christy, actually starts, like, having an imaginary friend. And that's it's kind of almost like a trope to these horror movies with, you know, young kids. They all have imaginary friends. And apparently, when they're upstairs in their bedroom, they kept on, like, panning over to, like, a one of those, like, closets that would be... You don't see too often anymore. They're really small. They're, like, in, like, tucked away spots. Yeah, almost like an under the stairs. It wasn't under the stairs, but yeah, it was kind of very low door that opened into this uh, storage space. Yeah, there's two little girls. There's Christy and Katie. Katie's the older sister. Christy is the smaller one. She's probably, I don't know, what about maybe three or four at most. Um, she's enough. She, you know, walks around, but she's she's tiny little girl. She has this imaginary friend named Toby that she talks about. And, you know, the rest of the family kind of plays it off as whatever. You know, sometimes kids have imaginary friends and <laughs> they have active imaginations. As you mentioned, there was one night where uh, the couple were about to get down and dirty. And uh, Dennis actually convinces Julie to record, do a sex tape, right? Um, which, you know, hey, After it's a horror movie. stoned, I think. I think they yeah, were they're getting at the stoned, same time. whatever. It's your typical horror movie trope. I appreciated it. Uh, they didn't get too too far though before there was an earthquake, and Dennis missed a. He should have thrown a joke in there about you know making the world shake or something <laughs> while he was getting down with her. But he missed that opportunity. They just kind of ran out of the room while the earth is quaking. I mean, his camera drops to the floor. You see dust kind of settling from the ceiling and everything. And as he's reviewing the tape afterwards, this is maybe a day or two afterwards, he sees dust kind of settle on a form in the middle of the air and then it just kind of disappears the way dust would kind of uh, shake and settle on top of something but there was nothing there uh, he thought it was the strangest thing what he does then because of that and because of because of christy mentioning this imaginary friend he starts setting up video cameras all around the house yeah he wants to see what's actually going on he actually has a buddy that works with him in the uh the wedding photography business he has so he starts showing him and he's like holy crap are you kidding me? What 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 is this? Yeah. So they keep going, and that's when you see him in the uh, their the garage or the basement or where they're at, and he's taking apart a fan. He's putting you know, a camera on an oscillating fan, so it's catching yeah. two rooms. Pretty and, genius. Yeah, yeah, that was pretty smart. And he's got cameras in the bedrooms of both of them, so he's covering the living room, the kitchen, and both bedrooms, uh, basically throughout the night. Yeah, and little little things happen, you know, each night. Yeah, he's, he's using these old uh, Maxwell blank tapes, six hours, super long play. I remember those. <laughs> we used to put them in and record stuff off TV. But yeah, so each night as he kind of reviews the tapes, like he's, so he's got 12 hours of footage each day that he's going through, um, which it gets kind of crazy because not only is he working on his job uh, for wedding videography during the day, but he's also reviewing these tapes 12 hours a day. So there starts to become an increasing tension between him and Julie and the family because, you know, she thinks he's kind of spending way too much time on this stuff. But that being said, there are more and more strange occurrences. Yeah, there was, well, night five, I think they say. The lights start going on and off. Yeah. Uh, they hear noises throughout the hall, the hallways. Yeah. 
So, I mean, there, there's a lot of things and none of it's really being caught yet really on tape that he can really see. Yeah. Or that's anything that's really, like, really big. Until night eight, I believe, when things start to ramp up, where Christy, the youngest one, like, wakes up in the middle of the night and just basically looks like she's playing with somebody throughout the house. She's just kind of, like, running and jumping and climbing on furniture and talking to somebody that isn't there. And that's when they kind of have to, like, confront Christy about it the next day after he reviewed the tape of that. Mm-hmm. Well, she keeps on saying... uh I can't tell you. Toby right. doesn't want me to do this. Or Toby says I'm safe. She's very secretive. Yeah. I- I'm safe, you know, right. if I if I listen to Toby. And she keeps going on about that. And then there's one night you actually see her after doing the running through the house thing. Yeah. She's looking at that that little like door behind the camera. Yeah. And she says, No, I want to go to bed or I'm not talking anymore or something down those lines. Basically, just kind of pushing him aside, and she goes to bed. And that, that may have been the the catalyst, or really kind of set everything off. Yeah. So these events keep kind of ramping up, and as you said, Christy in their bedroom, she's talking to that spot by the that by the small door, that small storage door. Um, and a few nights later, they have a babysitter. So Dennis and Julie they go out for dinner or something that night. They yeah. have a babysitter watch the girls. And mostly the night is okay until the girls go to bed. The babysitter sits at the kitchen table and there's, I don't know, it looks like one of the kids under a sheet. They were kind of playing ghosts. Um, you expect it. It wasn't a very tall figure, but they kind of stand, you know, the, the camera. And this was a kind of a cool trick, how it was oscillating back and forth. So it was panning from left to right, from left to right. And you as a viewer, you're like, oh, God, what's going to come into frame here? Oh, geez. You're kind of watching out of yeah. the corner of your eye. And as it pans back into the kitchen, you see her sitting there and you see this figure under a sheet because just kind of standing behind the babysitter. And as soon as she turns around to view it, it literally just disappears, uh, almost like it was in a puff of smoke, like the sheet just falls to the floor. It just drops. Yeah. Yeah. So she's, you know, freaked out, to say the least. <laughs> yeah, no, that would, uh, that would baz me out. And then she goes upstairs. Yeah, then after all that happened, she winds up going upstairs to kind of check on the girls, because now she's kind of freaking out a little bit. Right. She's like, what's going on here? Something's off. You know, we all get that feeling. You know, it's like, is something watching me? Kind of like you're walking up the stairs from the basement or yep. whatever it is. You get that, like, tingly feeling. Oh, yeah. And she walks upstairs, and she looks, and the, the way she, she goes towards that door again, that little closet... Which makes me believe that it was it was open, I think. They show it open. Yeah. And she goes to it, and all of a sudden there's like a puff of air, or something blows on her. And she freaks out she and basically runs. runs down the stairs. And yeah. she's sitting by the door, can't, you can't wait for them to get home. And once they're home, she takes off. Yeah, as soon as Dennis and Julie come home, she's there for less than a minute. She's like, I gotta go. <laughs> she's like, <laughs> they're like, oh, that was weird. But, you know, you can't blame her. And, of course, Dennis, the next day he reviews the tapes. And he sees that figure under the sheet disappear. And he sees that puff of air, you know, basically blow onto the, the babysitter. And, of course, he kind of confides this into his videographer friend again. And they are even more determined to catch this thing. They're getting deeper and deeper and deeper into it. Yeah. And now, Julie wants nothing to do with it. Right. Julie thinks he's full of it. He thinks it's just kind of hocus pocus. And she won't watch the video, which that was, a, that was like a movie trope that bugged me. Like, Julie... How about you just spend five minutes to watch whatever he's watching on this video, and maybe you'll be convinced. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That kind exactly. of stuff bugs me. <laughs> he's not just telling you something to tell you something. If he's, if he's saying he's seeing it on video, right. either he's seeing it on video and you can see it too, or he's full of crap. Exactly, yeah. It's an easy fix. Yeah, exactly. 
Yeah, so a little bit after that, you know, Dennis and his friend, they're kind of more determined to try to find whatever entity is in this house. Um, his friend's getting a little squeamish, though. Uh, his friend went and got some library books about the occult or ghosts, I guess, and start they start to learn a little bit more about it. But w- while he's there, he kind of offhandedly mentions the old, you know, Bloody Mary trope where you spin in a circle three times in a bathroom or whatever. You know, stuff that we grew up with as kids. Yeah. But, of course, the little girl, uh, Katie, the older one, she overhears him talking about this. And, of course, as every kid is, they're like, oh, what's that about? So Katie, the oldest, she overhears this Bloody Mary thing. And a couple nights later, uh, the younger child, Christy, comes down with a high fever. And I think it's implied that it's the ghost that did it or this demon entity, Toby, or whatever. Because, basically, Christy kept saying, like, no, she wasn't going to do whatever Toby's asking of her. Yeah. So it's almost like she's punished. And she comes down with a high fever. Uh, Julie and Dennis take her to the hospital and they call over, I think his name was Randy, uh, the friend's name, Dennis's friend, uh, the one that mentioned Bloody Mary. So now Randy is babysitting uh, Katie, the older sister. And of course, this is the perfect opportunity to do Bloody Mary, you know, with Randy. And he partakes. He shouldn't have. But of course, he kind of played into it. Uh, and it didn't go very well for him. He regretted it pretty quick. No, they did it the first time and they he turned the lights on too quick and she she yelled at him. So it was like, even he was freaked out. Right. Like, I don't want to do this. Yeah. <laughs> no, because <laughs> he knows what he's been watching. Exactly. And so they do it again and over and over again. And they shut the lights out. They wait for however long. They turn it on. Then he gets a scratch on his torso. Yeah, he, yeah, he gets scratched. He, get, he gets attacked. Right. And now he's freaking out. And then when they actually get home, when Julian and Dennis get home, he's like, I'm done. I'm out. Yeah. I'm not sticking. He starts collecting his stuff. And he's like, I am not coming back to this house. Bye. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then, you know, Dennis is thinking, you know what? We got to see this through. We got to figure this like, you, dude, you don't know what you're messing with. You have to stop. You're not chasing ghosts here. There's something here that's more, you know, more serious than a ghost. He's like, I'm, I'm out. And that's when we really, well, even Julie is even, even that next day, Julie is still upset with him because he's spending too much time, you know, on this. She wants him to start taking down all the cameras. We're done with it. Because that that same night where uh, Randy went home, Katie was attacked. Right. You could see her, a shot of her where she's like getting pulled by the hair in midair. Like yeah. she's like floating in midair being pulled by the hair and just crying out loud for her mom. And her mom, Julie, can't hear her because she's in the midst of an argument with Dennis down in wherever his, you know, kind of workshop is. So after the argument that took place and, you know, Katie comes running in crying because you know, she's been attacked. Uh, they separate. She basically says, cameras are down. We're done. This We're going to talk about this tomorrow. No more. And then in that evening, Julie is sitting in the kitchen. And she's kind of just by herself and just kind of cooling down, getting something to drink, just needed some alone time. Right. And all of a sudden, the kitchen ceiling collapses on her. Oh, yeah. And that's when she knows, okay. That's when she was like, okay, I'm done. Yep, let's go. <laughs> she's just like, oh. yeah they make the decision to like get the heck out of that house i mean all the the both the kids dennis and julie they leave the house uh they head for julie's mom's house uh you know grandma um which seemed like a good idea i mean grandma was introduced earlier in the movie and seemed like you know a nice old lady she didn't really care for dennis very much apparently <laughs> um but you know uh, kind of a hippie granny yeah so we, we get there and the first thing they're doing is you know they're having apple pie and they're you know doing all the things you do at grandma's house. Yeah, and but it, Christy was still acting weird. Christy was still talking about Toby being there and talking about marrying Toby and just still acting very creepy. Yeah, and she got chastised pretty quick too. She's like, I don't want to hear no more about Toby. You're right. But yeah, when they go there and we come to find out Toby Toby followed them. Yeah. 
And I mean, there was, you see us at a time where uh, Christy is in like the dining room. She's looking at a picture. Right. And come to find out there is a symbol behind that picture. And there's a symbol behind a few other pictures. And all these symbols were in one of those books that Dennis was look, was looking at that Randy got him. So now he's starting to be like, uh-oh, well, what's, what's, what's happening here? Yeah, we're really kind of gearing towards the end of the movie here. And really the big reveal is that Julie's mother, you know, the kid's grandmother, she's part of this witch coven. And Dennis just, you know, he investigated a little too far into it, man. He got too close to it. And the rest of the movie is just him trying to flee and get the girls out of this. And get Julie, yeah. And Julie finds out she's, like, hovering at the top of the stairs. Yeah, she's dead. And she, like, flies down the stairs at him. Yeah. Or gets thrown. She looked pale. I only got a glimpse of her, but she looked pale and looked like her neck was, like, already broken. So it's very strange to me, I I thought, because, you know, wouldn't you know if your own mother was a part of a witch coven? And would the witch grandma be cool with her own daughter being killed? I mean, it's just very kind of, like, she had this reverence and she wanted the, you know, she was willing to accept the grandkids into the coven and be very sweet to her. But, like, Julie was cool to just throw down the stairs. <laughs> well, I don't think it ever really confirmed she was dead or not. I mean, I think it's maybe safe to say she was dead. Yeah. But they never showed her again. So it's one of those, we can make the assumption, but I don't know if she was or not. Yeah, we definitely know Dennis died, though. Oh, yeah. Well, he died all freaking contor- contortion style. He was broken backwards. That was uh, that was something. And then pretty much that was it. They the, the girls come out, take grandma's hand, and then they walk away. Yeah, and Christy, the youngest, she's like, come on, Toby. Like you would be calling a dog over to you. And, uh, you know, my dog's name is Toby. So that was a nice little... Every time I heard little girls saying, come here, Toby, or Toby's being mean, like. <laughs> a little unnerving. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> be, oh, it's a, now, I'm a, now I know how to mess with you. <laughs> <laughs> but overall, man, I mean, what were your, what was your thoughts on this? Like I said, this was your first dive into this franchise. Uh, I liked it. There were some parts of it, honestly, that were a little drawn out. Uh, even though it wasn't a long movie, it was only about an hour and a half. It felt longer than that, honestly. Just kind of the, the, the camera pans, the slow camera pans, and I don't know, there wasn't a ton of plot to it. I, I just feel like, oh, some, you know, some hauntings ramped up. I think, you know, the, the two movies that we're reviewing this week are kind of similar. They go, both kind of deal with, like, demonic entities in a household uh, and, and how a family deals with it. Um, Amityville, though, I was much more engaged with than Paranormal Activity. That being said, I did enjoy it enough to be curious about the other installments, because I know I'm just hopping into the third installment. So it it did make me want to learn more about the franchise as a whole. So I think I may, you know, take a peek at, you know, one, two and beyond just to see the whole story fleshed out. Yeah, I mean, one if you think three slow, one is definitely going to be slow for you. Yeah. I remember that was the one thing. It was that. And it was intriguing because... I feel like these movies all kind of revolve around the same way that like uh, like the Blair Witch Project did. Right. Like this is all home shot. It's all shot. This is all you know based on true stories. Found footage. The whole deal. So that was the home home footage as well. Yeah. So it's that in that aspect, I enjoyed it. But like I said, it that that stuff scares me. I mean, that's the stuff. I mean, I can sit through a slasher movie and I'm gonna cringe. I'm like ah, or I'm gonna it's gonna get me a jump scare. Yeah. The camera just panning in the house. There, there's enough like tension anxiety for me in that yeah. type shot then there is in jason you know just kind of walking down the street going after somebody knowing we're gonna, he's gonna get him right so i mean in that aspect i i like it just because it it does deliver that psychological messing with you yeah more than anything else yeah overall i enjoyed it i thought it was good yeah i'll say if you're interested in it, i definitely recommend checking the other two out and i know that there's more than three but uh i think i stopped at three 
Ah, uh, okay. But, uh, I mean, it sounds like we both kind of uh, enjoyed that enough to give it, what do you say, uh, are we giving it a thumbs up? I say thumbs up. Uh, no, I, I may agree. I may give it a thumbs up, just for the point of it, it fitting everything and it messing with your head. And it was well done, too. I mean, like I said earlier, like you mentioned, just the uh, these cameras and the one panning downstairs and the two that are upstairs in the bedrooms and stuff, the tension is there. Uh, even though if you are aware of this franchise, or even the beginning of the movie, apparently these girls grow up to be adults. So there's not a lot of tension there, but you you don't know what's going to happen to their mom or Dennis or anybody. So it's, it's it was a it was good storytelling. Yeah, so definitely a thumbs up from both of us. Uh, go check it out. And uh, I think we'll move on here. I think you've already kind of given up the ghost on what the next movie is, <laughs> didn't you? Uh, yeah, I sure did. So our next movie is the original Amityville Horror, the 1979 version here. That's right. Yeah, so we're talking 41 years ago for this movie here. And that's the context you gotta you got to go into the movie with. Yeah. Because Janessa watched this movie for the very first time with me, which sickened to me that she hasn't seen it yet. But Oh, well, uh, here's a little thing. I've never seen it either. Are you serious? I've seen the remake with Ryan Reynolds. I actually saw that in theaters, the 2005 version. I've never seen the original. Oh, dude, I may be requesting my dad and rock card back from you. <laughs> <laughs> uh but yeah, go ahead and give them a quick blurb on what this is about so we can dive into it. Absolutely. So newlyweds move into a large house where a mass murder was committed and experience strange manifestations which drive them away. Yeah, this this movie here, I, I love. I, I remember watching it as a kid. I remember getting the crap scared out of me as a kid. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I've seen it so many times. Now, it's been a little while since I've seen it, but I still enjoy it. And there's nothing to me. This is what a classic horror movie is for me. Right. Because a classic horror movie, I'm thinking like this. I'm thinking of like uh, Alfred Hitchcock. I'm right. thinking, you know, I'm thinking of all of those where it, like the birds, for instance, it just, it yeah. just, it just freaky. And this definitely falls in that that category for me. Because when we were done with Janessa, she looked at me and was like, really? That That's it? I'm like, well, you got to take it into context. Yeah. 1979. <laughs> movies, all movies were more of a slow burn back then. I mean, even like action movies, drama, 1970s film, it, everything's a slow burn, man. Yeah. I mean, this one, I think for me, the scene that freaked me out the most and still freaks me out the most in this whole movie is probably about 20 minutes into it. Uh-huh. So after we get past, you know, the husband that goes in there. The opening of the movie. Yeah. Kills the kids, kills his wife and everything. It's the priest. Yeah. The priest who goes there to bless the house and come to find out that the Lutz family is actually outside of the boathouse. So he goes ahead and he's in that room and a fly shows up. Then another fly shows up and all of a sudden the room is filled with flies. And he looked sick like he's about to vomit. Yeah. And you hear, get out. Yeah. That, that to me, was the freakiest part of that whole movie. Yeah, and that's uh, that's probably the most famous. It's probably the most famous scene from this movie because I even I've never seen it, but I was at least aware of that scene uh, where the priest visits and kind of books it out of there. And it was kind of a running gag throughout this whole movie because later her aunt, who's a nun, shows up and she is in there for like you know maybe like five minutes, and she's like, "I gotta get out of here." Yeah, because she winds up getting sick in the car. Yeah, the priest winds up getting sick in the car. And he has the marks on his hands, like burns on his hands. From just uh, talking on the phone on the other end with uh, Margot Kidder, <laughs> Kathy Lutz, played by Margot Kidder from Superman. Okay, well, there's a connection she, I wasn't aware of. <laughs> she was Lois Lane in the Christopher Reeve Superman movies, yep. Ah, look at that. Now, I need to turn in my Dendera card. There you go. We have no cards left. We have no show. <laughs> <laughs> we need to find our replacements. <laughs> ah, there's 70s movies before our time. Yeah, but I mean, this, this whole thing, everything seemed to happen... 
right around 3.15 a.m. That's when the original murders took place. Yeah. So every now and then you're starting to see, a little later in the movie, you see George waking up. Right. At 3.15. You always see 3.15 on the clock. But we're kind of getting ahead of ourselves. I mean, you're talking about the aunt coming over, the nun, being only there for a few minutes. And they're kind of upset about it because she goes ahead and buys the expensive tea for her. Yeah. You know, all the preparation you do for a family member that you really don't want to come over. But you want to make it as you know comfortable as possible, right? But uh, yeah, that, that happens, you, and then you start seeing like the temperament in George change. Oh yeah, from when we first see him, and when he's like really happy about the house and the family and the kids. Yeah, it's just kind of like a cool, easygoing dude, and seems like a good stepdad for these kids. And increasingly throughout the span of the movie, he just becomes more and more short with Kathy, short with the kids, increasingly aggressive, just always out chopping wood. <laughs> Your kids need more discipline, or something like that. He said once and yeah it, it gets it gets crazy and then at one point or we we see all this happening we see george starting losing his mind they actually go to well actually he don't go to he actually has a friend from his business come to him to get them to sign the payroll checks because he actually stopped going to work too so he hasn't come over and they start going through everything and talking about things and uh he convinces him to go ahead and get out of the house right kind of go do your own thing take a night off uh you and you know you and kathy go have a, a night to yourself and we'll watch the kids yeah and uh, his girlfriend seems to be like really sensitive to things in the house. So she starts walking around. And it's funny how some characters seem totally oblivious to the evil that surrounds this house. And then other characters were like, all they needed to do is like drive up to the driveway. And they're like, nope. <laughs> yep, uh, peace. <laughs> I mean, the second time that the priest and his, uh, I guess, assistant tried to even go to the house, they ended up they couldn't get there because whatever this evil entity is. Um, crash their car. <laughs> yeah, this, this this evil entity has a uh, has a long reach. <laughs> yeah, so that's kind of something that I need to mention too. They were actually this movie is scary. Don't get me wrong. I mean, it's there are some parts that are like Exorcist or Shining scary. It's got that seventies scary movie vibe to it. Especially you don't want any of these kids hurt, even though they don't spend a ton of time with kids. I think movies nowadays they get they spend more time with the kids and treat them as characters as opposed to just little kids running around and kind of in the background the way this movie does. But you don't want to see anything bad happen to this family, even George. I mean, you kind of like that. You know that this house is affecting George. George isn't naturally an evil guy that he's being changed because of this house. So it is a scary movie, but there are times where like, it just feels like it's so evil. Like, oh, there's this aura around where it even like, it's so evil that if you're a priest driving to the house, it's going to crash your car. It's so evil. It's going to send you a little uh, fly as like a little note, like a little haha, like I got you. For me, there were moments that got real close to edging on the side of parody, honestly. Um, and it never felt all the way like that, but it, man, it got close. Or when he's in he's in the church and he's praying, all of a sudden he sees, you know, one of the statues crumbling. Yeah. Just because he's praying that the family has the strength yeah. to get through this. He's praying louder and over and over again. And then he goes blind as like a punishment like because of this evil. There were some parts where I was like, okay, I look. I get it. The house is evil. You're really cramming it down my throat. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yeah. There, I mean, it's and I, I loved it. Yeah, it just it, it fit that that you know that setup. Well, then he had the babysitter that came to watch him, and the door shut. Another babysitter. Boy, these movies are similar, aren't they? And then the little girl just sat on the bed. The girl sat in the bed. It's like, I'm not getting up. I'm not opening that door. I'm not. I'm not touching it. I'm not moving. I'm nope. You're gonna stay in that closet. Because you were kind of mean to me to start with. But I mean that, and she's hitting on the door, and she's crying, and her hands are bleeding. Yeah. 
They come home and next thing you know, George freaks out on the kids again. And it is, like you said, it's a slow burn with him. And then he gets out of that. I think it may have been that night. He actually got on his bike and left. Yeah. And uh, went to like a biker bar and met up with that guy that he works with. And he, fr- and, uh, and George freaked out the bartender because apparently he looked, he looked exactly a split image of the guy who murdered his family in that house a year ago. Yeah. So it's a little strange. They kind of play with that in the movie. I don't know if you're meant to think that maybe George just kind of happens to look like this guy or maybe George, the longer he lived at the house, the more he started to look like that guy. Like he just grew out his hair, grew out his beard, whatever evil in the house just kind of had that, had him morph into that guy more and more. Sometimes they were like, oh man, you could be related. There was a detective that kept watching the house, a detective that was on the scene of the crime with the first murders. Um, Once he realized there were new tenants in that house, he kind of, you know, kept an eye on, on the Lutzes. And even he was like, oh man, you could be the guy's brother, I think he says. Like, so as are you meant to think that George is actually related to him? It's kind of nebulous what they go through as far as what George's relationship is with this other murderer. Or it's almost like a doppelganger situation. Yeah. And that's kind of how I took it. And then the more and more he's with the house and the more and more he didn't, you know, cut his hair and shave and couldn't sleep and his yeah. eyes. And the more and more that took place, the more and more he looked more like that other guy. Right. And then when Julie finds, when Kathy finds that old school projector in the library, I even looked at Janessa, like, you remember those things? Like, <laughs> I vaguely remember them. I've seen a couple of them. Uh, she sees the picture of him in the newspaper and she freaks out. That's when she runs back to the house. Yeah. And this is basically the last night. This is when everything is going to hell. And they're down in the basement and they're chipping away at the wall. And they find the, the portal to hell right. in the basement. So they're they're trying to get away. And all of a sudden, you know, they're getting the kids and the, the you know the walls start bleeding. And it all pretty much hits the fan. Yeah, and there's a big thunderstorm outside. Just like the, the night that the original guy murdered his family, there's a big thunderstorm going on outside. I looked at Janessa. I was like, you know what? This is the end of the movie. She's like, how do you know? There's a thunderstorm happening. <laughs> yeah symmetry it, it's like a mirror it just happens that way in all these old hard movies if there's a thunderstorm that's when it's gonna hit the fan you know it bugs me too and it's such a nitpick but in these old movies the the way they do thunderstorms is uh the lightning and the thunder like go off at the same time when that's just not how thunderstorms work <laughs> in real life but anyway you get the lightning and then, and then you get the thunder <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's funny that, that is a deep dive nitpick right there <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But that's my own thing. But I mean, we pretty much covered. I mean, this movie here is it's just a, it's a straight classic. I mean, if you haven't seen it, just for like Halloween purposes, it's not a bad one to watch. I would say watch this one first. I think I've seen the remake with Ryan Reynolds, and I think I still prefer this one here. But that's how I am with remakes and covers, and we kind of laughed about that in the beginning of the show here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, I'm with you. This was the first time for me seeing this film. I have a high tolerance for slower-paced 70s films, like, you know, the first Rocky is one of my favorites. I mean, there's that kind of goes to tell you what the difference is between 70s films and 80s films, is the difference between Rocky 1 and Rocky 4. <laughs> yeah. Totally different pacing, you know what I mean? It's a slow burn in that first Rocky film. But it's just, you know, you got to stick with it. As far as this genre of horror, this kind of specific knit of a ghost story affecting a family, this is like the quintessential version of that, Amityville. This is kind of what all those other ones, like Paranormal Activity, are kind of based around. This is, you know, the predecessor. And, you know, it kind of was able to use that quote-unquote based on a true story thing back in the 70s, which I'm sure scared a lot of folks too back then. But yeah, I remember I I talked to my mom about this movie a little bit uh, today, and she said she read the book when it first came out back in the 70s, and she said she was so scared by the book that she threw it in the garbage and never read it again. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Yeah. uh, That might have to mark then. (laughs) So that's an endorsement. 
There we go. Yeah, I mean, I like I said, I love it. And when he, they all leave the house, they, the door locks, they can't get out. Then they somehow they get out the house, and they all get in the, the the big van. They drive away. Then it stops, and George jumps out, and she screams, "No!" And he runs back in. Yeah, thinking, what the crap is he doing? He's like, "No one left behind." And he, come to find out, he just wanted he wanted his dog. That's right. <laughs> he got his dog, and. You know, they, he got he gets back out, gets in the van, they drive away. Then something kind of pops on the screen saying they they come back the next day, they get all their belongings, and they never come back. Yeah, the old title card at the end. Here's what happened to Lutz family. The end, and that's just kind of how it ends. I can understand yeah. why Janessa would be like, "Oh, that's it," because it doesn't have a huge ending. There is a climax to it, but they kind of escape. But usually in movies nowadays, I think there would be a scene afterwards, or everyone to, dies, or somebody or, dies. Yeah. Exactly. Or, like if he went back in the house nowadays, the dog would get out, but he wouldn't. Right. Because he falls through the steps into that, you know, whatever pit of black, o- red, goo, oily, I don't know, yeah, blood. stuff that was flushing in the toilet. Yeah. And uh, the dog attacks him. So that would have been when he would have died and the dog would have got out in nowadays movies. And then, you know, everyone would have survived besides who they thought was going to kill everybody. Right. So, I so mean, like Chris said, it's a classic, man. If you haven't seen it, you should visit it for the first time. If you've seen it and you love it, you should revisit it. I mean, the house itself is almost a horror icon. You know, that house with the two symmetrical windows on the other side of the fireplace. It looks the house itself looks like a jack-o'-lantern. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, it, it's it's Halloween as you can get, man. You should check it out. With it lit up and the trees and the arc and the lightning behind it, it just yeah. it's that perfect, you know, like I said, Halloween picture. Yeah. Well, I think it's a thumbs up from the both of us on this one as well. So we started pretty rough last week. We did. We had a sideways and a down, I think it was. No, Scream was an up. Oh, okay. Sideways and an up. Yeah. And this week we have, we've got two ups. Yeah. So I think we've, uh, we're going in the, on the right direction here. That's right. But I think it's right about that time we jump into that van, drive off into a cheesy, rainy puddle while we uh, get into our jokes here. What do you think? Oh, my God. These things are getting worse every week. I- I'm with you. All right. <laughs> okay. So, mine here, I'll go first. So, what did the ghoul say to the vampire? Hmm, what did the ghoul say to the vampire? I don't know. You really suck. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Of course, that's what the ghoul said. (laughs) All right, all right. You know, I I like that one. I don't think you're getting crickets this time. Oh, no. (laughs) No, you avoided it. All right, I got one for you. Go for it. What's a skeleton's favorite nightclub? No idea. Any club, as long as it's a hip joint. Is that a thinker? Or is that just a shake your head? That's just a shake my head. Oh, I thought that was a pretty good one. (laughs) You know, hip joint. Yeah, yeah, no, I got it. I I got it. (laughs) Oh, well, you can't win them all. Looks like I get the crickets this week, sir. Oh, man. Did I just, did I sell mine too well? Is that what it was? <laughs> well, now that we have you know our, our jokes out of the way, I hope you guys enjoy those. They're, they're fun. Sean and I have been up to some YouTube streaming action. What do you think, Sean? What, uh, are we going to get into this now? Yeah. Look, so if you are a fan of the audio-only version of this podcast, now you are aware that there is an actual different version of the podcast. It's called Dad and Rock High Voltage. It's our live video podcast. We started this week for the first time. We did a live stream on Facebook Live and YouTube. 
Uh, it was a lot of fun. You and I kind of talked about The Boys Season 2, Part 2. I know we started to talk about The Boys about a month ago on this podcast. And really, it's just an extension of the Dad and Rock brand, right? It's, it's more content. Uh, we're going to put out live streams, typically Friday nights, but we'll kind of, you know, play it by ear. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! I mean, it's gonna be it's gonna be fun. I mean, if you check it out now, make sure you go ahead and you know click the subscribe button, like, let us know that you're out there. Uh, it's gonna be interactive. So when we're out there and we're say, for instance, a new Mandalorian trailer drops, uh, if it drops tomorrow night, we'll be out there tomorrow night giving a review on it. It may only be maybe a ten minute show, but uh, keep your eyes open for it. Uh, if you comment while we're on it, I mean, we may if it's a nice good comment and it's relevant. I mean, we'll want to interact with everybody. We'll pop it up. We'll talk about it and uh, we'll keep kind of going from there. But uh, right now, uh, the plan is the big one is going to be the Disney Plus Star Wars The Mandalorian Season 2. Yeah. Which starts on October 30th. So we're going to be diving into that every Friday. Like you're almost saying, 1030. We'll be on talking about it, uh, getting our reaction and what we thought about it, and just kind of move on from there. And, that's, and it's going to move, morph. It's going to grow legs. And uh, we'll be hope you guys are along for the ride. Yeah, we'll still have the Dad and Rock podcast week to week. And in addition to that, we'll have Dad and Rock High Voltage, our live stream. Uh, so if you haven't yet, maybe you just listen to us on Apple Podcasts or something. Go ahead and check out the Dad and Rock podcast on YouTube. Go ahead and check out at Dad and Rock on Twitter and Facebook slash Dad and Rock. Follow us on those three platforms so you can stay engaged with our live feed. Yeah, but I think that is a good enough place right here for us to go ahead and say the Dad and Rock podcast is signing off for the evening. Night, everybody. See ya. Get out. <laughs> <laughs>